You know, this morning is going to be uh, more of a conversation than a sermon, kind of a family chat type thing. So if this is your first Sunday with us, uh, come back next week. You'll get to hear the head guy and maybe a little bit more normative approach to what's going on. I met someone earlier who was their first Sunday here. Uh, but today's not an especially bad Sunday because you've got to see things and we'll get to see things that are important to us, worship and missions and now for this next little bit, uh, small groups. I'm probably going to say some things that will make some of you angry, uh, but that's really not my intention. I hope you'll see that as we go along. So give me a, a fair hearing. I think there's stuff in here that applies to all of us in terms of really being obedient to God's word. Well, you know, if you've been around here, especially in the last year, uh, you've heard a lot about our desire as a church to have a brother's keeper culture. And what we really mean by that is to have the value of biblical community. Now, most of us probably didn't grow up with that. I, you know, if you're from, if you grew up in a traditional church like I did, um, I never heard sermons about that. I never heard teachings related to that. In fact, uh, we talked about that you received Jesus as your personal Savior. And kind of the message I got from the whole thing is that this was just something between God and me, and I really didn't need other Christians involved with that. I mean, it was nice to know other Christians and sit beside them in church and worship services and all the rest, but I didn't necessarily pick that up. I didn't get it in seminary. Um, in fact, in the church I grew up, fellowship was something that happened in this special room set aside in the church, the fellowship hall, which I surmise meant you stood around talking about the weather with a styrofoam cup in your hand. I thought that's what fellowship was. So, Again, I, I didn't necessarily get that. And, and if you didn't grow up in church at all, like I know is the case of many of us, then for sure you didn't get this value. So my point is just this. You might have been a Christian, might have been for a long time. You might even be a, a mature Christian. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have this value. But here's something I know for sure. And that is that we aren't going to really integrate this value as a church accidentally. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to require change on all of our parts. You know, it's like losing weight. Now, I don't know a lot about losing weight, but those people who do <laughs> tell me that, you know, it just doesn't happen accidentally. You don't wake up one morning and think, I'll be darned, I lost 30 pounds. I didn't do anything different. I didn't try to, it just, you know, it doesn't happen. It takes intentionality, it takes change. It's like when you decide to really advance and grow spiritually, you know, it just, you just don't wake up and go, huh, I look like Christ. I didn't try, you know, I didn't change anything. Well, it doesn't work that way, does it? It requires effort, it requires determination, it requires stopping doing some things and starting to do other things. It requires intentionalness. And that's what it's going to take if we're truly going to have this value here of being a brother's keeper culture. You know, my job, uh, for those of you who've been wondering, what the heck does Jay do anyway? Uh, my job is basically this. I, I, from the time I wake up in the morning till I go to bed at night, I'm thinking, how 
do we get more people into groups at New Life? And how do we get our groups to grow deeper in community? Because I think that's central to us having a truly having a brother's keeper culture. One of the big roadblocks that I see, quite frankly, to having biblical community, to being a brother's keeper culture, is that less than half of us are in a small group. And to be honest with you, I, I really don't understand that. I don't, I, again, if that puts you back on your heels, I don't mean it that way. I, I just don't understand the, the inconsistency of that. We, we're at a church where we say there's three habits that we believe are critical to your spiritual advancement. That you're daily spending time in God's Word. That you're weekly connecting with people in a small group. And out of that, that there's another person that you really decide, let's be spiritual partners together and meet in addition to that at least once a month and speak into each other's lives. But that second aspect of being in a small group, it's critical to what we say around here is important for your spiritual advancement. That when you become a member, a ministry partner here at New Life, that one of the commitments you make is to be a part of a small group. And yet, less than half of us are doing that. And again, the question I, I ask is, if that's you, and again, I'm not signaling anybody out, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but if that is you, the question I ask is, why are you at this church if that's the case? Now, again, I, I don't mean that in any mean way. I'm not trying to run anybody off. In fact, after Pastor Steve hears this message, I may be the guy without a job next week. I don't know. But but do you see the inconsistency? It puzzles me. It would be like, in my mind, you go to a doctor and the doctor says, you have cancer and if you'll do these three things, you can live. And so what you do is you don't do any of those three things, but you keep going to that doctor. I mean, it would seem to me like either you would follow the three things, you'd do the things they say to, the doctor said to do, or you'd go find a different doctor whose diagnosis and whose prognosis you agree with. I mean, are, you, are you with me? Are you connecting with me on this? And again, nothing mean-spirited in that. I'm not trying to push anybody away. I'm just stymied by the inconsistency of that. And especially with this goal of being a brother's keeper culture. So I'm going to ask you to help me with something here. If you, all of you, would reach inside of your celebration folder and pull out this cream or tan-colored quarter-sized card. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you aren't in a small group at New Life, which statistically should be about half of us in this room, if you aren't in a small group, then what I'm going to ask you to do is on one side of this card, tell me why. I mean, I don't need a book. You know, you don't have to write little teeny tiny words to fill up the whole card. I mean, just in a couple of sentences, tell me why. And I'm very serious. I, I want to know this. I mean, may, maybe our groups aren't accessible enough. Maybe we need to do a better job of helping to connect you. I, I don't know what it is. But tell me why it is you aren't in a small group. Help me help us get to this place of, of being a brother's keeper culture around here. I'm serious. I want you to do this. In fact, here. 
while, while you're doing that, I'll do something else, okay? So fill out the card, okay? I don't see anybody writing. Fill out the card. This has nothing to do with my sermon. I'm just killing time. This week, some of you should be writing. This week, this came to our house. Now, this tells you something about Janet and my age and station life because it was us, you know. But the return address on it is from, it's in bold print, the Colon and Rectal Surgery Incorporated. And I thought somebody named a company this. I mean, the Colon and Rectal Surgery Incorporated. Now, in one sense, it's a good name because it's pretty clear what they do, right? I mean, you don't wonder and say, is this a restaurant or do you, you know... But what I thought, when I read it, is I thought, wouldn't it be awful to work there? I mean, you're, well, besides the obvious, but I mean, like when you're talking about where you work, where do you work? Sears, I work at Verizon, where do you work? I work at the Colon and Rectal Surgery Incorporated. I mean, you know, like, do you, if you work there, do you have business cards, I wonder? I mean, wouldn't that just be, I don't know. I don't know, maybe, maybe you can't appreciate the weirdness of that. I mean, do they have a softball team who wears that on their shirt? I mean, I... I just, the cold, I don't know. All right, did I give you enough time? I don't have anything else, so. Fill it out for me in, in a little while when we pass the offering bags. I, re- I really do want that information from you, so help me. Help us get to there. Um, and like I said, I, I didn't grow up with this value. I didn't get in seminary. I didn't get in the church I grew up in, but now... You know, I read the pages of the New Testament. I wonder how I missed this for so long. See, if we're going to be a church with a brother's keeper culture, it's going to take intentionality, and it's going to take changes on all of our parts. Well, I want to highlight three big changes that I see. Uh, The first one, and if you haven't done so already, you might want to reach inside your worship, your celebration folders, and also pull out this note page. It's got verses that we're going to look at in just a minute, as well as a little bit of white space if you want to write any of this stuff down. But I think the first big change, and it's what I've been talking about, if we're truly going to become a brother's keeper culture, is that the percentage of new lifers in small groups needs to be closer to probably that 65 to 75 percent. Now, I don't know, I don't know that there's any magic about those percentages, but it seems to me that it's probably going to have to be somewhere in the neighborhood of two-thirds of us or three-quarters of us actively involved in a small group. That means more people in small groups. It means new small groups beginning. It means small groups being willing to multiply in order to make room for more people. I mean, the truth is, if a hundred of you came up to me after this weekend and said, you know what, the Holy Spirit really challenged me on this, we want to be in a small group, I don't know what I'd do with a hundred people. I mean, we don't, have, we don't have a place for you. So it's going to mean changes in order to make this happen. See, this is a goal that we all have to have, a desire that we all have to own if we're truly going to become a brother's keeper culture. Well, here's the second change that kind of goes with that. Second big change is that I think we have to really take seriously this value of community. That, that this value of, of being in a small group, that it has to move from kind of something that's just sort of nice for some people to something more central. 
It'd, it'd be like this. I thought up this analogy right on the spot last night. It's a little warped. It, I, it'll give you insight in the way my mind doesn't function correctly. It's, it's like when you go through the salad bar and there's cottage cheese there. Now, when I see that cottage cheese, I don't think I hate cottage cheese, destroy the cottage cheese. I wish I'm not going to go to a restaurant that has cottage cheese. I don't, I don't think that way. I think that's nice. Look, there's cottage cheese. I don't care for cottage cheese. I'm not going to have any cottage cheese, but I'm glad there's cottage cheese out there for people who want to have cottage cheese. Okay? Now, we got to quit thinking about small groups as cottage cheese. See? See, we've got to move beyond small groups being, oh, that's nice. I don't care for that. I don't want to have anything to do with it. But that's nice that we have that for those people who do. We've got to move beyond seeing small groups that way to seeing small groups is central to living out obedience to Jesus, to God's Word. Well, let me, let me kind of unpack that a little bit for you. A few weeks ago, we had Pastor Dave Early here, the founding pastor of New Life, and he did some stuff with our small group leaders on that Saturday of the weekend that he was here. And one of the things he did is he gave us a list of one another passages right from the New Testament. And in your notes, what I've given you is all 44 of these one another sections and the verses that, that go with them. And I've, I, we're not going to cover all of them today, but I wanted to give you the whole list because use these in, in your times with God, maybe for the next month. Maybe use this as a basis to let God speak to you about each of these, okay? But, but I want to highlight just a few. And as I do that, there's two questions I want you to kind of think about as we do that. The first question is this. It, it, bear with me on this because it seems kind of obvious, but I'm not sure it is. The first question is this. is Are these commands, and they're written as commands. I mean, they're not just things that are talked about here. They're written as do these things, okay? But, but are these commands that, are, that God means for us to obey? You think, well, that's a stupid question. Of course they are. Well, if that's true, then I think the second question that goes with that is, then where am I? Where are you obeying these? I mean, if these really are commands from the Word of God, that God took the trouble to put into His Word as things that He actually wants us to do, then the question we've all got to ask is, okay, well, where am I doing that? I mean, not just some kind of platitude, not just sort of some fuzzy thing out there, but where on a consistent, regular, ongoing basis am I obeying each of these things? Okay? So let me highlight just a few, and and as I do, I want you to ask that question on each of them. Hey, where am I doing that? Where am I living it out? Consistently, ongoing. Okay, let's highlight a few. Number five. It says from Romans chapter 12, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. I mean, in your life, do you have other brothers, other sisters, believers in your life, other Christians who you are devoted to? Number six, it says honor one another above yourselves. 
You know, that means more than just generally don't be a jerk in your life. It really does. It means in your life, are there people that you're daily laying down your life for? Honoring, putting them ahead of you. Are you doing that? Where are you doing that? Number seven says to live in harmony with one another. You know, that's a very easy verse to obey if you don't have any close relationships in your life, right? I mean, if it's just you and your family and, you know, you keep everybody else at, 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 at a distance, then sure, it's easy to live in harmony. But boy, you start getting close to people. And that's a tough thing to do. Are you doing that? Do you have those kind of relationships? Number nine says to accept one another just as Christ accepted you. You know, that's hard when you're in relationship with people you don't even necessarily like, isn't it? But you, you obey the word of God. You accept them. Now, accept doesn't mean you accept the things they do that are inappropriate or wrong. Jesus doesn't accept us, doesn't accept our wrong actions, but he always accepts us. See, is that happening in your life? You have those relationships where you're accepting people just like Christ accepts you. Number 13 says to have, from from 1 Corinthians 12, says to have equal concern for each other. Are you doing that? Where are you doing that? Number 14 says to serve one another in love. I mean, that means more than just coming, you know, doing surf fest a couple times a year. It means having people in your life that you're giving of yourself for to serve. Number 15 says from Galatians 6 says to carry each other's burdens. You know... You have to be at a certain level with people, don't you, to even know what their burdens are. Isn't that true? Before you can even get around to helping carry them. Is that true of you? I mean, where are you obeying Galatians 6 to? Number 18 says to be patient, bearing with one another in love. I mean, do you have people in your life that it's a bear to be patient with them? You know what I'm talking about? Are you obeying that? Are you doing that? Do you have that in your life? Number 21 says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I put that in there just for those of you who don't like to worship in your small group. Because where are you doing that? Where are you obeying what it says there in Ephesians chapter 5. Number 22 says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let me ask you, who are you submitting to? You know, most American Christians, if they were honest, they would say, well, I don't really submit to anybody but God. And you know, there's even a little something spiritual sounding about that. Except it's just not what the Word of God says, right? It says it's not enough to just be submitting to God. Are there people in your life that you're submitting to? Number 28 says to admonish one another. 
I mean, do you have people in your life who can say to you the uncomfortable things? You know what I'm talking about? Do you have those people? Do you have people in your life who you can say the uncomfortable things to? Now, now some of you think, you know, you've got the gift of admonishment. You know, you don't. It's not in the list. See, relationship has to come with it. Do you have that so that you're obeying that? Number 32 says to encourage one another and circle this next word. What's it say? To do it how often? Daily. See, this small group thing is more than just two hours on one night a week. It's continually being involved in each other's lives so that we're, we're breathing refreshment and fresh air, encouragement into one another. Number 33 says to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I mean, who are the people in your life that are spurring you on? Now, you know what spurring is, don't you? I realize we're not in Texas, but you've probably seen a John Wayne movie or a Western, right? You know those spurs? Those spurs are things that they use to kick to gouge into the sides of the horses to get, to get it to advance. That's what spurring is. Do you have people in your life who are gouging you in the sides to get you to advance? I mean, that's what it says, isn't it? That's what we're commanded to do in Hebrews. Now, I don't like it any more than you do when somebody does that, but I need it. Do you have that in your life? You know, I've, I've had Christians say to me, I don't want people in my life messing around and telling me. And it's the word of God. It's a command. Where's that happening for you? Number 36 says to confess your sins to each other. I mean, do you have people who talk to you and who you talk about the ugliest parts of you? We need that. We're commanded to do it. Number 38 says we're to love one another deeply from the heart from a couple places in 1 Peter. You know, do you have, see, it's not just, oh yeah, I love people. You know, this ethereal kind. No, do you have people, I mean faces, you can picture in your mind that you love deeply. It's, it's the commandment of the word of God. Number 43 says to clothe yourself with humility towards one another. I mean, are you doing this with other people? I dealt with a conflict just this week between two people that it's nothing more than pride. That's all it is on both their parts. Are you obeying? 1 Peter 5, 5. If so, where? Where is it happening in your life? Well, you get the point. Where are you obeying these commands of God on and on? See, these aren't just suggestions. These aren't just ideologies. These are the commands of the Word of God. And my hunch would be that if you aren't in a holistic, small group of people who, who are really striving to, to live in biblical community with each other, 
then there's a good chance you aren't. You see, relationships is way more central to obeying God fully than most of us have understood. That was really good. That was really good. I, I said amen in the back of my head just as I said that. No, in fact, let me say it again. It was so good. Thank you. Thanks, Charlie. Be, be there for me. Relationships are way more central to fully obeying God than most of us have understood. See, the goal isn't 20th century Christianity or 21st century Christianity. It's first century, New Testament, Book of Acts Christianity. Pastor Steve's going to talk about that more next weekend. I have a friend, uh, Bill Beckham, who wrote a a book called The Second Reformation. And in it, Bill makes a a statement. He was pastoring a church. And Bill says, I realized that the church I was preaching about, this New Testament book of Acts, first century Christianity, this, the church that I was preaching about was different than the church I was preaching to. How can we be okay with that? Because the goal is that kind of church. A church that really was a brother's keeper culture. A church that really lived and breathed and functioned in biblical New Testament community. Well, with that, the third big change that I think is going to have to come if we're going to get there is we've got to get serious about our small groups being places of real community. I mean, not simply having a a nice little Bible study where we talk about the Bible, but we don't talk about us. You know, where we, we talk about, here's what the Bible says, but we hide behind this mask of what's really going on inside of us. Not simply a place where we just go to learn something. Not just a weekly meeting, but a place where together we are striving to truly be in biblical community with one another. For some of us, that's going to mean risking being open more. You know, I'm a, I know a, a couple in our church who've gotten divorced in the past year. And they were an active part of a small group. And nobody in their group knew they were having problems. How can that be? How can we let that happen to ourselves? You know, some of you here this morning... You're dealing with all sorts of struggles in your life. And you're doing it alone. Man, if you haven't listened to anything else I've said, listen to this. You're doing it that way and you're letting the devil win. Because you see, nothing gets better in the dark, does it? You have to bring it out into the light 
See, that's where healing is. That's where health is. That's where help is. See, we're in the context of community. We really can love each other and accept each other and engage with each other in the fight and in the failing. See, that? I think that's the problem for some of us. What we want to do is we want to get it all settled and solved and then we'll talk about it. You know what? That's a strategy from the pit of hell. Because the, the place, the biblical place where health and healing and help comes is when we risk being open in the context of community. People who will fight with us through it and fail with us through it and work with us through it. For some of us, it's going to mean getting more real. For some of us, it's going to mean quit telling ourselves that we just don't have time to be in a group. You know, I met someone recently who has a junior high age daughter who plays on a softball team in Cincinnati. I mean, that means five times a week they drive their daughter to practice and games in Cincinnati. You know what I thought when I heard that? I thought, you know what? You got time to do what you really want to do. What you really prioritize to do. I mean, that's true for all of us. I mean, for some of us, you know, we, <laughs> we just... We just need to move it up the priority list. You know, I let me ask you this question, and again, I'll, I'll just say it. But I think we've got to really evaluate and examine. What do you think Jesus is more concerned about? That you are a part of biblical... Book of Acts, New Testament, Christianity, and, and community, or that your son or daughter plays club soccer. Now, I got nothing against that. I mean, God gave us athletic kids. We've struggled with the attention of this our whole lives. But I think we've got to ask ourselves the hard question if we're really going to be obedient. You see, having a brother's keeper culture isn't going to just happen without intentionality and without change. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm excited about is a resource that we've invested in that we're going to use this year called Regroup. It's the first time we've ever tried to train entire groups. And it's a four-week session that I'm asking all, we're asking all of our groups this year to use for four weeks where together they'll just go over some of the key basics to really going deeper into community with each other. I'm praying that's what's going to happen for our groups this year. If you're not in a New Life small group, then two weekends from this weekend we're going to have our small group fair. And what that means is out in the lobby, we'll have leaders and people in groups. And the whole reason why we do that is not because we're trying to sell you something you don't want, but because we're going to have leaders out there so that you can go talk to people. You can say, hey, you look like 
me. <laughs> you, you know, tell me about your group. Because we want to help you find a group. If you, if you don't want to wait two weeks, contact me. I love to help people find a group that's a good fit for them. You can contact me or, or on that card that you'll turn in that you tear off when we take up the offering a little bit, you can mark interested. I'm interested in a small group and either I or my assistant will contact you. Well, there's just one more segment of people I want to talk to and then we're done. And that is that there's some of you who should be leading a small group. See, the kickoff has happened. The football game is happening down on the field. And uh, you're in the stands. Or you're on the bench. Or maybe you've been on injured reserve and it's time to come off of the injured reserve list. Or maybe you're at the concession stand, or maybe uh, you're at home watching it on TV, or any, I can't come up with any more analogies. You're somewhere, and you ought to be down on the field. Man, if that's you, if that's you, I want to encourage you to do this. On this card that you have that you're going to turn in in just a minute, if you wrote something on this side, then turn it over to the other side. If you didn't write anything on it, then you can write on either side you want, you know. But I just want you to write this. I want you to write at the top the word lead. And then I want you to write your name and a phone number that I can call you at. Now, you're not signing your life away. You're not making a commitment that you can't get out of. You're saying, you know what? Maybe the Holy Spirit might be stirring up in me leading. And I'd I'd like to talk about that. I'm not the kind of guy who shoehorns anybody into anything. But maybe you just need to take another little step to investigate if that's what God might have in mind for you. Maybe you're thinking, well, what's it take to lead around here? Well, funny you should ask. I've got some requirements here that I'll go over with you real quick. You do have to be a New Life member. Our groups are led by New Life members. And you say, well, I'm not a member. Well, you know what? We can take care of that. If you're willing to make the commitment to New Life and make it your church, we'd love to have you as a member have to be a member. Number two, you have to love the Lord with all of your heart. Now, notice I didn't say you have to know the answer to every Bible question that anybody could ever ask. I didn't say you have to have your life perfectly together. I didn't say you don't have any more struggles in your life. But you need to love the Lord God with all your heart. You can't be wishy-washy spiritually. You need to love the Lord God with all your heart. Number three... You need to be willing to commit to daily loving and praying for this little small platoon of people that you'll help gather around you, other unconnected people that you'll help gather around you. You'll make that commitment to them, to love them, to spend time with them, and to pray for them. And then number four, you'll just follow our systems. And we... We do have some systems. We do do some training. We do some ongoing things. It's not stringent. All of it's designed to help you be the best leader you can be. But you do need to be under our authority. You do need to follow. You know, you can't have that Book of Mormon, you know, Bible study group. I mean, we're not going to go for that. 
But if you'll follow our systems, maybe God's calling you out to do that. We've got a new leader training coming up soon. Our first small group leader convergence is next Sunday afternoon. We'd love to get you on. Well, let me wrap this thing up. See, I think, I think we've got to stop seeing the church as an organization. You see, if I read my Bible correctly, we are the church. Isn't that right? It's not an organization. It's us. Positioned together in little platoons of people who will care for each other and love each other and serve each other and disciple each other and be involved with each other's life and sometimes bear with each other. Maybe one or one other person or two other persons in that group becomes someone that you especially get close with and you become a spiritual partner with them so that you, you meet in addition to that every month or every couple times a month or whatever. You, you become the body of Christ each other. And when there's a need, you don't go to the organization. You don't say the church ought to do something about that. We're the church. And so we be the body of Christ to each other, positioned into these little platoons of people who are being brothers keepers to one another. See, friends, if we're truly to become a culture of brothers keeper around here at New Life Church Gehenna, it will only happen because we as individuals determine to be in brother keeper cultures personally. And if we'll do that, it can happen. If we don't, doesn't matter what we write on the papers we send out. doesn't make any difference what kind of terminology we use. See, it takes change. It takes intentionality. Individually. Well, I'm going to pray. And a little later on, we're going to take the offering. When we do, if you filled out this little tan card for either of those reasons, then please put it in the offering basket. If not, you can... Take it home and keep score when you play cards tonight. I don't know. Do whatever you want with it. So, Let's pray together. Father God, I do ask that this value of biblical community would, would get hold of us. That we'd take seriously your word in one-anothering each other. Lord, there's so many aspects of this message. My prayer right now, Holy Spirit, is that you'll pinpoint whatever it is we needed to hear. And Lord, if I upset someone, I, I pray that you'll give them the, the grace to see my heart in this. But that, Lord, as we hear from your spirit of what 
what steps do I need to take? What do I need to do if I'm truly going to live this out? If, if I'm going to own this value of us as a church being a, a place where we have a brother's keeper culture, Lord, that, that we'll hear those things from you. And then you'll give us the courage to do them. And I pray it in your name and for your glory. Amen.